What is up, bums? Today, me and my co-host, uh, Eddie, have a special episode for you guys today. To sit Before we get to it, we have our special guest, Mr. Isaac, who is, if you bums don't know, on our cooking episode. So this is going to be Isaac's second episode with us. Um, but we're going to be talking about a very fun topic that has impacted all of our lives. And... That's probably implemented is impacted American culture quite a bit, I would say. We're going to be talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender. Before we get to that, bums, please check out our Instagram at t h e underscore b u m s. Or sorry, I said that wrong. My apologies. T h e b u underscore m s. And it's Instagram is the best way to get in contact with us to hit us up about what your thoughts are on our videos, our posts, certain thoughts. Me and Eddie are very open to any and all conversation so please just hit us up anytime um with that being said as well please check out our website at strugglingbums.com which should be at 95 percent complete according to eddie so if it's not you know who to blame um just kidding but getting into it avatar the last airbender american tv show that aired on nickelodeon from 2005 2008 so for the most part in the prime of our you know middle school younger elementary school years um, I'm curious, guys. For me, it always started. Nickelodeon was on channel 35. What about you guys? Because I had that memorized. Isaac, you know, for myself, I was poor, so we didn't have cable, so we had to wait for the DVDs to come out on once and we'd watch it by DVDs. Okay, okay. What about you, Eddie? Uh, I was direct TV, so it was channel 300. Oh, interesting. Channel yeah. 300. All right. Live variation. I think I sorry you didn't get to watch it on Nickelodeon at the same time. Let me say, so because I've had to do that for other TV shows that I couldn't get my hands on. Shout out to the Hot Wheels TV show. Um, I I think like that's the better way to go sometimes because you know as a kid, the only thing that's gonna spoil it is the other kids at school. So if you can avoid them talking about it, you're gonna get all you're gonna get all book one just like that. Like you're not have to wait like week to week and suffer, you know. So sometimes I think there's that's a benefit. Personally. That is a good point, but I do say a lot of my friends during the time period didn't watch Avatar: The Last Airbender, so it was a good, uh, I guess, a good caveat since I got to get the DVDs, and so it was one of those things where we kind of watched it when the new DVD came out. We'd like wait till the weekend and we'd all sit down and watch it together. So it was kind of nice. Okay. Okay. So okay, so OG bit watching done. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say so it's kind of like me with Naruto, except you didn't wait as long, right? Basically, because like when Naruto came out, I didn't really watch it as it came out. I just you know waited all these years later until 2021, 2022, when you both of you, along with Daniel, finally got me to watch it. And then so yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool. I actually didn't know that, Isaac. Damn. Yeah, it only took you like a bajillion years, but you know, it's yeah. okay for watching Naruto, but yeah, yeah, I know. Avatar Last Airbender came out on DVDs. I still have, like, it's crazy. If I remember it, we go back to, our, if I go back home, we all have all the individual DVDs, and each DVD has, like, a different case. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Now, that's, that's pretty awesome because I'll never forget the anticipation I had for when book two came out. As a young kid, I didn't fully understand it. I thought after book one, that was kind of going to be it. I didn't realize that there was going to be a book two and a book three and unfortunately i missed a lot of book three i didn't get to fully watch through avatar until it came to netflix 
um, had a hard time tracking it on like old school before like DVR and stuff like that. Wow. So, I mean, I've, I've seen Avatar, oh my gosh, at least four or five times all the way through. Hey, it. you so guys are blowing like my mind right now. I hope you know that. Like the fact I, I watched season one, two and three. I remember. Yeah. I saw it the years they came out. So I, I guess I'm slightly blessed and grateful that that was the case. But yeah, similarly, oh. Isaac, once, once I could get, once I could watch it all, like I recorded it like a lot of different episodes and I just watched them all the time, you know, and then it came out on Netflix, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit. And I watched the shit out of that like twice. <laughs> all right. So yeah, maybe maybe Isaac, you didn't have the cable to watch it, but maybe that was a benefit because like I played youth sports, man. Like if a, if an episode came out on a Saturday, I was screwed. There was, it was just total depression. I think I talked about that on one of the past episodes about me crying my eyes out on missing an episode of Dragon Ball GT one night. Uh, but yeah, yeah I totally understand the feels, Bryce. Oh man. OG cable, but as we move forward, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into the the first book, Book Water. But before we do that, I want to try to give a premise for the audience that maybe hasn't seen it, and I want you guys to just correct me if you think I'm totally off. Why, you know, why did I looking? Avatar, The Last Airbender, is set in a fictional world, of course, and you know it's this world where people have essentially these powers where they can control the elements, and you have. Four core elements. I'm not going to dive deep into the other ones yet. Um, earth, fire, water, wind. And not everyone can do it, but it seems like it's the majority can bend. Am I mistaken in that? Or is it like 50-50 on the population that can bend? Is that ever like really? I mean, it, it, this doesn't show in Avatar itself. It's more later in the Korra season, which is a after of the Avatar was. It shows that it's like it's a majority wise is non-benders and actually it's actually a specific people actually are more benders and actually it's kind of crazy is that they actually have comic books i don't know if you guys know about that but they actually have books that they actually talk about a lot of these things i've had an opportunity to read some of them and it's actually kind of crazy in those comic books there's actually a lot less benders than you think there are there's actually more non-benders so i was gonna say i think it actually makes sense that there's less benders because like when you think about all the people that the gang interacted with, and when I say gang, I mean G A A N G. Those the those that watch Avatar know what I'm talking about. The gang, um, they do interact with like an immense amount of non-benders, so it does make sense. And even like in Korra, to it, it almost gets solved uh, in the third uh, season when people all of a sudden get airbending abilities. It's it's still like a minority, basically. So it makes sense. Yes, but. Okay, that's kind of the premise. So, episode one of book one, you really get, I think something Avatar does super well is the world building. I mean, that first episode, you kind of already get a pretty good idea. You know, you're in basically Antarctica of some sort, the Southern Water Tribe, and you can see that Katara is narrating, she's done by Mae Whitman, as you don't know, she's a famous actress. Um, but basically, like the Fire Nation has invaded the rest of the world. And they have this main hero called the Avatar, which can use all four um, elements, you know, and he's been disappearing. And ever since he's disappeared, the Fire Nation has taken over and things are not great for everybody. So I think you immediately get pretty immersed when you meet the brother and sister 
and they just happen to run into the avatar and it's like what what just an interesting way to like start a story you know i think in a lot of times you don't see stories do as well at world building and then getting to the purpose really showing a good connection of what the purpose is going to be and i think it becomes very clear for even a kid that they found the avatar you know and they're going to move forward but i'm curious like please don't let me steal the whole thing what what are your initial thoughts, Isaac, when you're thinking like book one in the beginning? Honestly, I really like the character development. Honestly, if you like, I know it's just the first episode, but it's just those like after watching episode one and watching later episodes, just the amount of growth that each character does. Because you just see like a typical like 14 year old boy and you can relate to it as a little kid. Like, oh, like, you know, it's like this guy is just like me, you know bald and you know running around flying on penguins and stuff like that you know i was just like man dude that sounds like cool i want to go ride on a penguin i was like let's go to the zoo you know but i feel like it's i really enjoyed like i agree with you bryce there's a lot of open world that in regards for that and then just the amount of characters and then just the uh character development for me it was really big absolutely what about you eddie what are your thoughts um, I think it, it was cool in the first episode or two where basically you kind of start with such a innocence when it comes to Aang um, that s- slowly and this is something we'll come back to in the later part of the episode about the themes and it, it's just like it starts to get more real when like in that first episode you know Zuko lands and is like oh I'm looking for the avatar and finds out oh shit the avatar is actually here and alive um and kind of captures him and, and you realize real quick that everything isn't always as good as it seems um so i do like though that maybe speaking broader for book one that how the creators were able to make it feel like a kid show but then when you watch it again like it's not always kid themed there's a lot of stuff that went over my head as a kid and i'm sure all over over all of our heads as kids yeah, I mean, I think for me as a kid, like, you know, you have the main core characters. You have Avatar, you have, uh, sorry, Aang, the Avatar. You have Katara, who's a waterbender. Soccer, her older brother, who's not a waterbender. And really you have Uncle Iroh and Zuko as maybe more background at that point. I, there's an argument to say they're pretty much involved in the story, I'd say periodically through, but maybe a little more background in book one. And then, you know, you have his two pets, which is Momo and Appa. Appa flying bison, and Momo's a le- leopard, lemur? Some sort. Lemur. He's like a flying, flying, lemur. flying, lemur. flying, flying lemur. lemur. But yeah, uh, it's an interesting story, because I, I don't think you get how bad things are initially. You know, you see that their parents are off the war, but you don't... But then you go to, I believe it's the, the Eastern, if I'm not... Or the Eastern or the Northern Air Temple? I always forget. Uh, I think it's the Northern Temple. And it's like, yeah, the angles and sees that place and like their skeletons. And it's like, yeah, they got wiped out like a hundred years ago. Have you guys, freaking seen, out. Have you guys seen like, some like the Reddit things on it? It was just like how like the Ang's master did like this one technique that could just take the air out of everybody in one location. That's why there's so many bodies around it. So specifically, there was like a like on, I guess we're in the comics. I guess his master knew like this technique that could just take the like the oxygen makes like an oxygen bubble pretty much and just take everybody's breath away. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean they do kind of tease that like in Legend of Korra when uh what's his name, Zhang or whatever ends up killing the Earth. Earth. 
Bro, oh, he does exactly oh, that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Mangiato was was a real one to say the least. Um, and Isaac's alluding to Aang's mentor before he ended up, you know, putting himself in ice for a hundred years. And his mentor was a really wise individual um, that tried to kind of protect and shield Aang, as you later learn in season one. But yeah, uh, that that was a nice shock. I think I don't even know remember which episode it was, two or three. And just rolls up and it's like, oh, yeah, here's a bunch of dead people that have been just left there, not even yeah. buried all day. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the whole story is, you know, this at this point in the journey, as they go on, they're like, we got to get Aang a master of each um, element so he can, you know, he's mastered air, but he's got to learn water, earth, and fire. And Katara is not there to teach him. So they make the journey to the Northern Water Tribe. And I'm skipping a lot. I don't want to give too much away. But this is the next big, real big thing of book one, I would say. Um, besides, you know, the Blue Spirit. But we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more in book two, I feel like. Um, the ending of book one, man. We and Eddie talked about this, I think, yesterday or a couple of days before. As I was kind of recapping for this. When they get to the Northern Water Tribe, you actually see finally a formidable army. I can fight the fire nation. And, but then you kind of find out that you have the, I believe it's the winter solstice. And at that point, the water vendors lose their ability to bend and the fire nation knows this. And so they're going to attack. And then unfortunately, man, I'm, I hope I'm not going over too much. No, no, I think you're mixing yeah. it up actually. The, oh, um, there wasn't any right. solstice or anything a- like that. They just, they just didn't they couldn't attack during night time because waterbenders were stronger at moon. night. Yeah, because of the moon. Because of the moon. So pretty much what happened is a recap for Bryce is that the the general General Zhao went through the library and found an ultimate secret showing that waterbenders draw power from the moon. And so his you found a little secret showing that, you know, a moon was a spirit. And basically his, I guess, not to spoil anything, was just trying to take out the moon, kind of in a way. Yeah. Well, long story short, things happen, and one of the spirits is not around. <laughs> and after that, I think it's hilarious because I think it's the first time you really see like Aang goes into the Avatar state, but when he looks at that fish, <laughs> the other spirit, and they're just like, let's go. <laughs> and you're kind of like, what? And he turns into that giant water fish. Bro, that the the water nation, the Northern Water Tribe was losing this fight. They had the entrance position. They had all, and they were still losing to the fire vendors because they were just technologically that more advanced and just had better tactics. Dude, Ang goes and destroys this entire fleet, man. He goes off in this fish war. Me and Eddie talked about it. Like as kids, you don't think about it as like um, a lot of people die, but it's like this man destroyed an entire fleet. You think all those people didn't just drown in Arctic, like basically frozen water? It's it's yeah. just an insane ending to book one. Dude, the fish honestly reminded me of a giant Swedish fish, not gonna lie. When I watched it originally. <laughs> the koi fish? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The koi fish? The koi Oh, but Isaac, what do, you, what do you think about that? Like, have did you ever realize that as a kid, or is this something that maybe later on in life you're like, oh shit? I was like, I was like, damn, I was like, those bitches are probably just in the water. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I didn't realize how cold they were until like after, I guess maybe 
after seeing, you know, probably again, I was a little bit older, how cold it was based off of, of Zuko being like using his fire breath and stuff like that. But I guess in the time period, just seeing it like, you know, them in the water, because like you see them in the later episodes in book one, that like there's Fire Nation troops in the water and they're just in there talking and joking around. But it's just, I guess, for later on, if you see it more when you're older, I guess you can see the retrospective of like, man. They're in the cold Arctic water and probably freeze, and then you know go into that deeper hole that way. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that's book one's. I think what book one does is it really sets the stakes. I think it really shows to the audience how much of a problem the Fire Nation is, and how even the Northern Wilder Tribe, which I think gets a lot of uh, props to it. It's like, oh, they you know they have a bigger army, you know they've been holding them off, and just shows that. The Fire Nation is ruthless. They will do anything, including killing a spirit, which is like the biggest no-no in the Avatar world, really. It's definitely up there. And it's Honestly, a billion I, I might have to disagree with you on that one. I think book two kind of shows more of the calamity of the Fire Nation because it just shows like the enslavement of the Earth kingdom and oh, then, I, you know, utilizing sorry, the resources. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I was... Isaac, you... Let's use that. Do you want to talk? You want to give the audience a brief overview of book two and the Earth Kingdom? Yeah, I think honestly, book two wise, I, I kind of saw like a little bit more of like how the great power, like the Fire Nation has, like you were talking about earlier about book one, like the technological advancements. Like you saw like their entrenching tool that could literally go through the Bossing City wall. You know, if you're like watching that like episode of like Earth Kingdom, like pretty much the whole entire time they just talk about is just like how great and mighty this bossing say kingdom is and kind of like the gang is trying to go find somewhere safe and find you know Aang and Earthbender teacher and pretty much throughout their journey they go through different things to find Aang and Earthbending teacher and eventually they meet Toph which you know is honestly the greatest character in all of Avatar not gonna lie so you know that's my favorite so you know but uh yeah you get to see like some comedy through that as well from you know seeing that and then going through the technological advances of the fire nation seeing that and then you know seeing the cruelties of the fire nation sometimes of like taking over earth vendors and making them like the mine workers or you know seeing them the travesties of like the fire nation does in like the earth kingdom seeing like the, the actual fear in the fire nation what people have and you can see like all the uh uh, refugees go, trying to escape from their homes to like relocation all trying to go to this one location and then once they get to that location you know lord and behold the fire nation took it and you can just see like uh i guess the people losing hope because at the same time you know no spoilers up ahead but like something crazy happens towards the very end that kind of really sees the despair of that like i guess it's a little bit more darker realizing later on but as a kid you're like oh man that's crazy that's what happened but like after watching again you're just like wow like 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 you see how dark it can be what the fire nation does yeah man i mean well, well covered i think you know meeting Toph for maybe one of the favorite characters in the entire avatar world because you have this blind little girl that everyone thinks is so weak and all this and she's like the most badass earthbender there is i mean she's literally the earthbender that teaches the avatar which you know certifies her as a master and she's blind and the way she uses her blindness as an advantage versus a disadvantage i mean her story 
Toph is never not on her thing, too. I mean, I, I think the only time, well, I'll save that for the end of book three. There's only one time where maybe being blind didn't help her. And that's she was like on an airship. But, uh, but yeah. Oh, dude, not even but, that. There was a funny scene, Bryce, you're missing out where like Suki goes saves Toph and she's like thinking it's Sokka. It's like, oh, you can let me drown now. Thinking it's not Sokka. <laughs> that was a but, great like, scene. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> But you know what's crazy? I don't, I don't know if you guys knew this about Toph is that he, uh, the creators initially wanted him to be a boy, like a large, burly man. And so but it was actually a character design that they were initially going to have Toph as just like a big, muscular dude, which you see in like in season three, like as a joke, why is that the creators put it on? But that was the original concept. But then one of the creators fell in love with the, the actresses that was playing Toph. So they, they worked around her to be her. So it's kind of crazy. I'll say I have heard that, and I do love that they did make fun of themselves uh, in season three uh, with with that. But this is uh, this season two has a great joke that Isaac and I share all the time, um, and especially when we're playing uh, Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Is I named my character the Boulder uh, for those that may or may not know that the Boulder <laughs> is a character in uh, Avatar, um, and it's when you first meet Toph, and the gang convinces her to fight with them. You know, they end up in an underground Earth Kingdom fight club, and that's where they meet Toph. And basically, you know, initially, this guy, the boulder, is just wrecking everybody. I mean, just everyone that challenges him, he's going to town on. And all of a sudden, like like Bryce said, here comes this innocent blind girl, and you think, oh, she's about to get worked too. Like, what is he? And the, the boulder gives this famous line. It's like, the boulder feels conflicted about fighting the little girl. And then Toph just like... I don't even remember what she says, Isaac. Do you remember what she says? He's like, what are you? We should call you the pebble. That's right. They call you the pebble. <laughs> and he's like, the boulder is no longer boulder conflicted. Is no longer conflicted. Oh, man. just wow. It's just great comedy that they weave into, like, really serious and, like, cool stuff. So, And, and I will add hey, to you, awesome. season two gets more serious. Like, it, it really does. To Isaac's point, right? I think season one, you get glimpses of it. And then when you end the season two, it's like, oh, shit. What, a, what an ending. And then season two really gets further into, you know, the world isn't isn't all that great. And especially with the Earth Kingdom uh, not being an example, or at least Ba Sing Se is, of propaganda and corruption and figureheads and all sorts yeah, of shit I mean, that I they think, find out. I think it's funny things, moments uh, too. Yeah, but I think Eddie's right in that, you know, when Appa gets stolen, for example, Toph's supposed to be guarding him. Dude, that's the first time you see Aang get, like, kind of, oh, what's a good word? Like, vicious. Like, he's, he's like, generally very mean to Toph. And not the typical <laughs> Aang you see that handles, like, all these problems, you know? When he loses Appa, because Aang has a problem with losing things, um, abandonment issues is what one might call it, um, you know, he kind of loses his mind. He was, he mentally was not okay until they found Appa, honestly. And, it was just, it was very telling of his character, I thought. I think another very telling one is Zuko's journey, you know? Mm. Book one, you have this kid, you have Prince Zuko's the um, prince under the Fire Lord Ozai. You know, he has a burn light left, left eye on his side um, because his dad challenged him to an Agni Kai, which is basically a fight. And you know, his dad messed up this like 12 year old kid and was like, go find the Avatar. You can never come home, which is basically a death sentence at that point. Because everyone thought the Avatar was dead. And, you know, you have Zuko, who was his uncle Iroh this entire time. And they have this interesting 
father-son journey, honestly, because, you know, Iroh's lost his kid, and Zuko doesn't have a father, and so he tries to be that Zuko. But, you know, Zuko takes on this, um, another identity is the Blue Spirit, in which he saves the Avatar. And originally, he's like, I did this because I want to be the one to capture him. But I think, having watched the series, I honestly truly think when he did it originally, he didn't want, he wanted to save the Avatar. I think generally, his heart was in saving the Avatar, even if he didn't really understand it himself. I'm a little curious, do you guys tend to agree with early Blue Spirit Zuko? I think, because... honestly, I agree okay. with you, Bryce. I think he, he does have tendencies on his heart because he, he takes on his mother's behalf with his mom, mother was a gentle person, and more like Azula, and then Azula, that you find out his character, character in book two is a sister who takes on her father. But I think it, I think it comes. I think you, I agree with you a lot that he does. You see his character transformation a lot from where it started from book one, going to book two as well. So I think you know. I think maybe intentionally wise, maybe the blue spirit he did it initially to, you know, you know, saving Appa that one time might be something a little bit different to more like in the beginning where you see him like saving and it was more selfish reasons or lines, you know, but I think out of all of it, you can see it, the influence through Iroh is the reason he makes decisions that he makes. Yeah. What about you, Eddie? Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd fully agree with him saving Aang that first time because someone actually, maybe somewhere there's a seed of like, I should save the avatar. But I think it definitely was like Isaac said, just a very selfish reason. And it was just basically like, I can't let Zhao capture the avatar because um, I have to come home. But yeah. like Isaac said, he did free Appa. And like that was it, a huge it, character moment for him. Like that was just massive. And I think I think it's a little bit telling too of you know, when you see him essentially defeat the avatar, but yet he doesn't kill him when they're when they're leaving the backside of the northern water tribe he still kind of carries them to safety keeps them alive i think there's you know it's just another moment of maybe zuko's heart isn't fully in it but i think one of my favorite stories in book two is when he's kind of off on his own and he runs into that kid and i'm talking about in that little village and they're getting harassed by the earthbenders and zuko basically goes and saves them yada yada saves the kid you know gives his kid this knife and it's all good. And then he essentially is like, yeah, I'm Prince Zuko of the Fire Nation, but I'm not about that. And the, the way that kid and family flipped on him. Honestly, as a kid, I didn't understand it. But as an adult, it I think it's it's so such a complex issue of here you have this nation, this country that's probably destroyed your great-grandfather's life, your grandfather's, your father's, and now yours. And finally, one, you know, you'll probably see them all as bad people, even though that's probably not the truth of Fire Nation. It's not the truth of Fire Nation. But um, then you have the well, prince of it, and you don't understand his situation. He saved you and all of this, but, like, he's the reason for all your problems in your mind. So it's just, well, oh, man, that storyline, I love it. Damn. Well, just adding to that, Bryce, that story, I think the biggest reason they didn't like him as much, too, is that his brother was fighting in the Fire Nation, like went to join the Earthbending Army to go fight the Fire Nation. So I guess he blames the Fire Nation for taking his brother. But like we, like I said earlier, it kind of takes away that, uh, you know, the show is kind of a little bit more like how in depth the Fire Nation does with its people, and like kind of shows the gravity of it. But honestly, like I honestly still think the saddest part of that whole 
that whole episode was like, you know, Iroh's son's birthday, you know, when he starts singing, you know, start tearing up a little bit, guys. You know, oh, man, you just like you see him like hey, he's like having a nice day, helping people out and like little kids and stuff like that. And you just see him just like go to this tree, starts like singing, dude, it just gets me every time. I think like there's like few moments when when, when boys cry, and you know, that that is one of those scenes, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the leaves on the vine. What a great, yeah. you know, I think I wasn't, I'll admit this before we move on to the finale and then into season three, because I think Isaac's point, both of you guys' points about Fire Nation people we're going to cover in this next, in the next season was for me, I didn't understand the idea of a filler episode. Um, even though I watched DBZ, I still understand. Looking back, like this was obviously a filler episode, but man, what a filler it was. It's crazy, truly. But it really, it really hits in the heart, man. It really hits in the gut. We should tell, we should tell the viewers like episode, like book two is really good. There's a lot of funny scenes. It's not just super dark. Like right, we just see like Sokka tripping on cactus juice. Like you know, it's great. You know, like 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 don't get me wrong. There's some funny things that happen. So like, I just want to be people like like man, like book one was really good, and then like book two is like super dark and crazy. Like no, like book two had like a lot of great moments too for sure. Yeah. But I will. I have to throw this one that killed me as a kid. Jeff's death in book two, man. I I liked Jeff as a kid. I didn't like him what he did, but I, I even as a kid, I kind of understood where he was coming from. It was like, I was like, you gotta get rid of that. The Fire Nation, like, yeah, he's extreme, but like, you know, but the way he goes out and the way his his people are just like, we'll stay with. Oh man, I <sighs> Jet was a real one. He was just a little misguided. Had he had some more time with the Avatar, I think he really could have been. Uh, I lie, my filler favorite filler character was Pipsqueak. He just like goes up and is like, So your name's Pipsqueak? It's like, No, I am. This is like a guy with a big ass buff dude with a log. Yeah. Eddie, what's your uh, favorite? Hey, Eddie, is there a war in Bossy Sing? There is no war in Bossing Say. All right, guys, don't worry. There is no war in Bossing Say. <laughs> oh, man, bro. Oh, die, my God. The die Lee and that secret military, secret police. I was like, Bro, they're going Toffa run for her money, but then she like trained up, and I was like, Never mind. I'm sorry, Tom. All right, let's let's finish the season now, boys. Let's finish it out. So, I think you want to give a standing for you want to give a standing for it. I, I, I don't mind covering season three, season two. Yeah, yeah. so the ending, yeah, pretty finish much it off without, finish spoilers, it off. without spoilers wise. It's pretty much you know, uh, Zuko has an opportunity to be there, choose between right or wrong, and then obviously, you know, you see that what a decision he makes towards the end of the episode and kind of really dictates the ending of the season kind of pretty much and i was just sure, like you're like you're rooting for the guy you're like yeah like yeah good guy good guy and then it's just like you know and then something happens for him to change his mind and you know then boom like something like crazy happens for them like i don't want to spoil it for our, our audience here listening to actually go watch it but you know a big fight happens and then eventually kind of just shows like one of those things where it's like a darker darker episode ending where it's like book one was like really positive you know People like, you know, they won the battle and stuff like that. And you see, you know, different things. But like season two ending was more, a little bit more darker, which it ends up kind of on a cliffhanger, you know? Yeah. I mean, Team Avatar gets clapped, if we're being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Team Avatar loses. The Earth Kingdom officially falls. Um, and you kind of just like, man, the only free nation really, or free nations are the Southern and Northern Water Tribes. That's it. You know, I never got to ask you guys, what's your favorite episode in like book one or book two? You know, that's always my, I was, I always wanted to ask, ask, you know, fellow. Uh, I mean, 
Dude, let me look at the list real quick. I would say for book one, it's probably the final. I love, I can watch that scene of Aang going full spirit mode and just destroying the Fire Nation. You can watch that one. That's probably my favorite. I know it's being a little cliche. And then book right. two, um, probably when Appa gets saved, because I was a kid, it was pretty emotionally uh, attached to Appa as a kid. So I was pretty happy when he ended up being okay. What about you, Eddie? Um, I think book one, it's actually, uh, where is you it? You don't remember I the episode. You can just it. say like your no, scene, like the fortune teller, the fortune teller episode. Ah, I think it gotcha. is such, it is like, it starts off as a silly episode. And granted, I always love Sokka's like, well, can science explain why it rains? And Sokka's like, yes, <laughs> yes, it can. Yes, it can. <laughs> such a great scene. <laughs> but I think it just sets the, the tone for like, Underneath, I think it's such a layered episode because underneath it, like Aang ends up saving a town, and Sokka just like, whoa, you know. Sometimes I forget how powerful a bender Aang it really is. It really is like a microcosm of this entire series, where it's like, on the outside, you think it's a kid show, you think it's something that's so simple, but really, it's it's very layered and complex. So I think that's probably one of my favorites. Season two, um, dude, oh man. And we all know your favorite is the Bulber episode. Come yeah, on. honestly, that whole that whole <laughs> sequence is so funny. And I and Toph being the character that she is, probably has gotta be my favorite. Yeah. What about you, Isaac? I would say for the first one, honestly, I have to agree with you on yours on Eddie's. My favorite scene is where like where like the like the side character is like a filler character. It's like he's just like bubble like thumbs in the mouth, just like like panicking and screaming around. And then, like, Egg has this, like, a bunch of followers following him everywhere the whole entire time. It's just really funny. I think that's one of them. And he's, like, he just kind of sees that, like, he's trying to impress people. And it's just, like, sees, like, a little immature kid. So I just thought it was just, like, a really funny episode. And then, honestly, season two, it has to be either, you know, the secret tunnel where, like, like, like Sokka gets mad. <laughs> just, like, the traveling the hipsters, you know? It's got to be that one or probably... <laughs> Honestly, I have, to, I have to agree with you, Eddie. Like the Boulder scene is just is just phenomenal. That or just you know, Sokka just getting <laughs> like <laughs> drinking cactus juice and just tripping out with Momo. <laughs> you know this cactus you know, juice. It's the quenchiest. Like... <laughs> All right, well, Eddie, take us away from book three, man. All right, man. Uh, so book three for me was after very anticipated. Uh, I was I remember waiting. So I'm looking at here. The season finale for season two came out December 1st, 2006. Season three started September 21st, 2007. So there was quite a big gap, and I remember being super excited. And essentially, you know, Aang wakes up, finds out he actually kind of died, also didn't die, but sort of died. Um, and Katara just in time saved him, and he's out for like a, a few weeks. Um, during this time, Zuko is able to return home when because Azula said that he killed the Avatar, basically covering for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's able to come home and so basically the gang is like all right well what are we going to do now and they still want to they can make a pinch strike because when they lose appa they visited a library and it's the same library that um, isaac mentioned uh, previously where Zhao learned about the moon spirit and there they learn about the uh summer not summer solstice it's the uh eclipse winter solstice oh yeah no, the, no, eclipse. The, the eclipse where the winter, all winter, the firebenders winter. won't be able to uh, firebend so they're trying to prep for their invasion while also infiltrating the fire nation which i always thought was cool because this is when you know like isaac and bryce talked about 
um, how, you know, the Fire Nation people aren't really all that bad. Some of them are just trying to live their lives, right? Um, and you kind of get a nice look at that when you get to see the headband episode where Aang, you know, ends up in a school of all things on accident and then, like, ends up freaking having a dance party. Um, and then the Painted Lady, right, where they go to a village and you find out that, yes, even Fire Nation towns much like Earth Kingdom towns uh, that were feeling the effects of the war, also feel the effects of the war. You get to see the Sokka's Master episode, which is a fantastic episode. Sokka gets to learn how to be a swordsman. Um, so you kind of go and you learn a lot more about the Fire Nation in general. And I think this is where that added complexity comes in once again, where you, for the first two seasons, grow to hate or at least dislike strongly the people that the Fire Nation put up, their soldiers, their military. And then you're like, damn, everyone's just kind of like, honestly, normal people for the most part. Um, so ends up leading to, uh, Zuko finally redeeming himself and joining the avatar group, the gang, uh, and finally completing them so that they have a water master, earth bending master, fire bending master, and then Aang, who's the air bending master and the avatar. And they have Suki and, and Sokka. And so, yeah, then they try to invade the fire nation. It ends up failing because, as uh, Azula found out that they were going to do so. Um, and then they end up freeing their father and a couple other prisoners after that. And eventually they go to face Ozai because of uh, Sozin's Comet, which allows the Fire Lord to finally finish the war and essentially eliminate everybody. Um, yeah. A lot of great episodes in the season, honestly. This is probably my favorite season overall. I don't think there I'm was really any misses. I don't think there was any misses episode-wise. Yeah, the amount of great scenes in that episode was just fantastic. Just from hilariousness to actual action scenes, it's great. From like, you know, they do a whole recap in one episode just to play, and just like my favorite comment that I will still tell Eddie all the time was like, "Dude, what happened to uh, Jet? I think he died." <laughs> like, like no one knows. <laughs> like, Actually, I was glad we brought. Hold up, I'm glad you brought that up, Isaac. Because for those that don't know, I always love seeing the edits. Where when Zuko asks, like, yo, did Jet die? And, like, Sokka's like, I really don't know. For those that don't know, Zuko and Jet actually met with one another and partnered with each other to steal for the poor at one point. And then when um, Jet found out he was a firebender, you know, he turned against him, the whole thing, and then later runs into Zuko again and tries to frame him when, when she's captured. So Zuko went from, like, just meeting this random guy, right? And they end up doing some some cool shit. They, they Robin Hood. For the people. Um, and then Jet runs into him again and tries to tell everybody he's a firebender or whatnot. And then all of a sudden now we're just like weeks and months later, Zuko finds out that he may have died. <laughs> kind of crazy. It's, yeah, it's kind of funny, but yeah. It's not funny, but it kind uh, of is. Something I really like about season three, I think it does something that a lot of TV shows end up failing on when they when they end. And that they really completed all the character arcs and really did a good job of giving every character an ending they honestly deserve. Like even like side characters, like uh, like Azula's friends, May and Ty Lee even get like good quote unquote happy endings. And it's like, they're a bunch of, you know, not that important characters to the story, but even that, even they're like interwoven somehow. So I really enjoy that. It feels like a completed story when it's all said and done. It's, I, I think it's funny in hindsight, like as a kid, I was like, okay, it's over. Like no big deal. And then Korra came out and other future projects are in the works. And it's like super excited, but it's like Avatar, the first one. If they had ended it there, that would have been a great ending to the story. 
And so like, I really appreciate that they were able to do that. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Bryce, on that one. Like, I've seen a lot of TV shows I feel like we all have, and we just watch the ending, and it's just like, man, that ending was, like, terrible, or there's not, like, there's stuff missing. And I always think it's great, too. Like, this ending is, like, really good. Yeah, it might, like, answer, like, like some of the questions were never answered, but it makes you want to go deep dive and read, like, the books that they have or the comics they have. Like, I know for myself, like, one of the things that, like, I, like, always want to know, and I talked to, like, one of my friends about it, I was like, what happened to Zuko's mom? And if you actually read the comics, it actually shows you what happened to his mom. But, like, I have to completely agree with you, Bryce. There has, like, I watched Avatar The Last Airbender at least four or five times, and every time I see that ending is like that's just like the perfect ending like you can you know it's just like it's complete where you don't have to do anything else off and you can like the world's been made already like that story arc like the book is closed and like you can see like the ending of it like not like my honestly my favorite part in the movie is just you see the ending of like everyone together and kind of seeing all the happiness and stuff like that and each character developing you can actually see the character development from book one through two three and each character you're like wow like the maturity of each person to like you know you can still see their quirk and, and there's like their personality still from book one still stay maintained from here especially in Sokka and stuff like that so I completely agree with you like the ending is just great just because of how the the cycle like the, the circle completes itself I guess in a way yeah I mean for me I hold Avatar's ending and I guess the entire story is accomplished. I hold it up there with the original four, five, and six of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings saga. All three of those series, I think, do a perfect job of ending themselves. And I think that's something a lot of franchises fail to do. So many times, like a Game of Thrones, perfect example. One of the most beloved shows of all time, and they crashed themselves into the wall at a thousand miles per hour with that indie i mean people hate that show now because of how badly it's true i and you know somebody that hates the show with a passion because wait one of those people is on right now <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's me. okay well that's me. sorry i was talking about another buddy of ours um and it's just but it's like you know a show honestly maybe this is, is can only go as far as is as good as its ending is you can have a great show but if the final season does not leave the audience feeling i don't even know not happy but satisfied with the ending i mean my god it's 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 really hard the ending is almost the most important part as crazy as that might sound you know i think it's the closure right that you're it's trying the closure, to say. yeah yeah it's the closure yeah, was, yeah exactly you know, which is why, again, like I said, four, five, and six of Star Wars, Lord of the Rings Saga, Avatar: The Last Airbender. You can't not watch the very ending of those series and not feel closure and feel like, for the most part, every story to a degree is wrapped up. Like it's good enough, you know. And so that's something I think Avatar is a kids' TV show in the early two, mid two thousands, whatever. Um, you know, it just does something that. Not a lot of Nickelodeon shows that I can think of off the top of my head do. Not a lot of kid, not a lot of TV shows around that time. You know, another example, Lost. Lost is a show that was humongous. I have not met one person that liked the ending of Lost, <laughs> but that was a show when we were growing up. Everybody watched Lost. Every that show was like, if it had social media, now it'd be the biggest thing ever. But people hate that. Series. I'm gonna throw in my two cents. <clears throat> Supernatural, bro. 
I, oh, I love yeah. that show and uh I just still don't like they ended it and obviously they had some issues and complications with the pandemic. But even then, bro, it just it went on for so long and I, I just felt there really was no ending and I, I would agree. It it definitely is a closure thing. Yeah. But I, I do want to talk about the themes though. So Eddie, before we get there, I found one okay. interesting ar- uh, article on Avatar. So I found this one uh, called openedorgan.pressbook.pub. And it's an article about, this person wrote an article about the three most impactful things from book one, two, and three of Avatar, what it did. Uh, for book one, the most important thing that it did for like television was the representation of Asian Americans and like Asian people. I think if you look back to like 2005 to 2008, that's probably the first time you got mass exposure to like Asian lead characters. And that, you know, because for those who don't know, you know, Avatar the World, uh, uh, Last Airbender is set in an Asian really own world, you know, how it at least comes off. Um, for book two, the one is The Power of Toph. And it talks about how it was really implemented to see a disability, a person with a disability, not only overcome the disability, but be this strong person that is feared amongst everyone and how just implemented it was for people with disabilities and then the third one book three um shows strong female warriors fighting against discrimination and it just talks about how azula bad but man she's one of the scariest villains and at that time kids tv show history even ty lee and may are menacing themselves Katara is the only one that can really beat azula with Zuko's help, someone might say. And then you have the Kiyoshi Warrior. So I just thought that was interesting. Found this. I thought it was pretty interesting that someone wrote an article about it. No, I agree. Um, I kind of, I think I had that actually, or we had that in the outline. Um, obviously, it, it, it's always interesting to me because this is an American TV show uh, made by two like white guys. Uh, or at least I'm pretty sure both of them are white or at least, you know, not Asian um, descent. And they did so much to include so many different cultures, so many different peoples and ideas and concepts and wrap it all up into the clothing, the food, the way, the traditions and all that stuff. And I think they did a brilliant job of that. And then even talk to you, I agree. I mean, like we talked about, she's one of our favorite characters and we, we point out she's blind, but like, it, don't, it doesn't matter. Like she's fine. You know what I mean? It's such an interesting thing. And then Ozai, for those that don't know, it took me years to find this out that Fire Lord Ozai was voiced by none other than Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. Uh, it took me years to actually find that yes. out. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Killed one, of the crazy, one of the crazy things, too, is like the creators, I don't know if you guys know about this, they actually took a lot of different cultures. Like if you see the Air Temple-wise, they're actually based off the Shaolin monks in China. The Earth Kingdom is based off of, you know, different Asian cultures that way as well, mostly Malaysian-wise. And then the Fire Nation, I can't really tell. I, I haven't really looked into detail into the Fire Nation wise because most people say it's based off America. But you know, no, I also... it, I think it's a mix of Japan with oh, yeah, Japan. Yeah. schemes of like Southeast yeah. Asia and then America yes, as well. Yes. I would say, yeah. yeah, excuse me. Yeah, sorry, that's what I was was. And then the water tribe is more like the Philippines or like uh regards to that. So um that is kind of crazy to like to really think about it. Yeah, Eddie, I did not know about Mark Hamill until I saw a TikTok about it like a year, like six months ago. That's insane. But I don't know if you... Oh, and I was going to say, and then Jason Isaacs, who's uh, Malfoy's father in Harry Potter, played uh, Admiral Zhao. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So I found a list of all 
of all the themes from Avatar on this website. I don't know if you did you want to try to go down the list and just talk about each one a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can we can try. Okay. Is it long? Uh, there's a couple. I can skip some of the maybe lesser ones. I don't know. Yeah, hit us, hit us up because I I am interested because in I think Isaac, I'm interested to hear what you think about some of the stuff because I I know Bryce and I've talked about it before, but uh, yeah, okay. So Isaac, one of the first themes that came up is prejudice. Prejudice, 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 and like. In regards for what exactly? Just in general, I think like the example it initially uses like the Fire Nation against everybody else. How like they think they're better? I mean, I don't see the prejudice wise. Just because if you see book three, most Fire Nation people don't believe that they're taught that by a psychological system, by this education system that you know, like the Japanese believe that like they're the god tier fam like people and like you know the Fire Nation's Ozai and stuff like that. That's based off of you know. If you could see that in like World War II, that's based on based off the Japanese like historical ideology that they're taught by based off that. So I don't think it's prejudice. I think it's more of like brainwashing on regards for different things. Just because if you see it on the episode of the thing three or two on headband, you really kind of see that where like the education system is taught by that. And most people in the Fire Nation don't really believe that. I think one good example, which we've already talked about, is the Zuko story. I think it's pretty prejudicial of those Earth Kingdom people to treat him super badly because he's a fire, you know, part uh, of the fire. Yes. I, I think, think I guess, the, yeah, I think that's where I, I could agree with you that on two more, like it's book two, but it's like that stereo culture, like the culturalism is already built there. So I can, I can see your views on regards for that by the damage that the Fire Nation has made. Yeah. Uh, I I will say though Isaac, because uh, you bring up a really great point, and it's something that we had noted too about the kind of indoctrination. Is, but that is actually technically prejudice because it's a preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. granted, granted, you disagreed, but then completely explained it. So I mean, you you task <laughs> as we would say, task failed successfully. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the next theme ties in well. Corruption. I mean. There is no Warren Bossy saying. There's no Warren Bossy. Yeah, there, 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 there I mean, is no Warren Bossy I remember. Kylie agents. Yeah, bro. Isaac, please dive into it. But before you do, I remember thinking the Earth King was a super bad guy. That's how bad, like, the corruption has to be that you, like, you meet him and he's like, oh, he's perfectly normal. But, like, the people around him are so bad that it's like, he doesn't even know. Oh, for me, I just thought that the king was just an idiot. Even when I was a kid, I was like, wow, what a dumb king. He's like, he doesn't know anything. He's just sitting there with his bear eating, you know, snacks all day. But, like, as you watch it more, it's kind of like, to me, it sees, like, it shows, like, more of, like, Japan, like older Japanese culture of, like, emperors being a figurehead and then, like, you know, the Daily agents. And, like, I forgot what his name was in regards to he was like head of the diary agents but he's being like the shogun and kind of like controlling the emperor and like telling him things and making him live his fantasy life and still him holding power i guess in a way so i completely understand like the corruption is definitely seen in there you can also see it in uh the first like well in the beginning of the earth kingdom where you know they try to like find power to like stay maintain power with their kid and everything yeah. Eddie, what are your thoughts on the theme of trauma in Avatar? Because holy cow. I'm going to keep this very simple and brief. You are introduced to almost immediate trauma because you find out Katara and Sokka's mom had been killed. And her she found the body. Um, then their dad leaves. So she, you know, no parents around, right? 
Aang, uh, mass genocide of his entire people. Uh, Zuko, <laughs> I, I, you want to talk about abuse, neglect, whatever you want to say. It's all the same thing. Trauma. Abandonment. <laughs> Abandonment. <laughs> no love. Physical abuse. (laughs) Physical and mental and emotional abuse by not only his father, but his sister too. Uh, Manipulation, all trauma, all of it. I Um, think Zuko equals trauma. Exactly. (laughs) This is is the definition of trauma. Any any way you want to go at it for trauma, Zuko is an example of it. And and that's just Um, the main characters. Then we want to talk about all the side characters, the amount of trauma. This is like the Naruto world where everyone has some shit going on. Side characters wise, you can see trauma, the cabbage guy losing his cabbage patch. (laughs) Isaac, uh, tying back to Aang, extinction, the theme of extinction. Dude, you just literally see. I mean, I was a kid. I was, I was like, wow. I was like, I didn't, I didn't like recognize like how much of mass genocide was made. But after you watch it later on, it's like the Fire Nation destroyed a whole race, which is like if you see in the book one, like there's just so many flying bisons just pretty much killed to extinction. To where literally, like monks, you see monks, and it's not like there's just like one air temple. There's like three or four, and they're all just empty. You can just imagine how bad they are. Gone. Um, a indoctrination, which we've yeah, already. I mean, yeah, Isaac, Isaac nailed that one on the park. Okay, how about imperialism? I... Dude, that's Fire Nation. Yeah, Fire Nation is is the epitome of like. I know that I feel like no, they knew exactly what they were writing. They basically wrote the Japanese empire that existed from, I would say, I think around the 1900s to the end of world war two is essentially what the fire nation represented truly as well as any other imperialistic colonial force that has ever existed on earth. So, yeah, I mean, I like that. I like to think that the flying bison being tied to, the American bison that used to roam the prairies in the millions and then were decimated by the U.S. government. Um, Isaac, what about loss? The theme of loss in Africa. Honestly, you can see that through, you know, Zuko. Zuko, you can see in Parasaka trying his identity of be like, you know, I'm not a non-bender. You guys are all bending. What am I supposed to do? To like Zuko on his way from going from his character development to Aang as well with his, controlling his feelings of coming has to he realized he has to mature really quickly okay yeah i mean absolutely uh, yeah on that i think isaac with the word you look for loss of innocence right yeah, these are all kids innocence, yeah these are all child soldiers mm-hmm. yeah because the ing's like what 12 and the is like 14 and this it's insane soccer is 15 i think azula is like 13 and then Zuko's like they're all, 15, I, think, I think they're all 15. So I think they're all in their mid like teens. Like they're uh, almost they're all like 14, 15 years old, except for Annie, yeah. I think. And then no, when it gets Toph's when they get like to 12. Book, well, in book three, I think they're a little bit more older. They're like almost like freshman high school year, I think, kind of in a way. I that's still around right, 14, 15, bro. They're still child soldiers. Yeah, child soldiers, Or teenage soldiers, if you will. So our next Fun theme, Eddie. Murder. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I feel like this one we're just being a dead horse, but uh, they yeah. killed the, they killed the moon spirit. Uh, they killed the whole people. They yeah. killed Aang. They killed Jet. <laughs> Aang killed an entire fleet of Fire Nation soldiers. Uh, this goes on. I'm just not gonna call it. Did they kill Jet? 
as we get even have more fun with these teams, Isaac, abuse. <laughs> All I have to say is just Zuko. The more I keep watching it, I'm like, man, Zuko has a pretty messed up life. Just like, hello, a scar. Like, it literally has a a third degree scar on his face that just never looks better every time you watch the show. (laughs) Having my own experiences and just being an adult and seeing, you know, things people have gone through. Zuko's not a bad guy considering everything this man went through. Yeah. Generally speaking, he's a pretty he did a pretty normal. I mean if I I if I (laughs) I think I would have been a worse person than Zuko had my mother gone out the way she did, had my sister been a sociopath the entire time, and my father basically hate me so much that he attempted to kill me and then he banished me to go find something that wasn't even supposed to be alive. Um, yeah, I think I would be a worse person than Zuko. Yeah. <laughs> the guy for a lot of a lot of he puts in the hard work that people talk about when they're like, I gotta go to therapy. Zuko is the one that puts in the hard work to make change. And I and his crazy hot take, Zuko's my favorite character in the story. Oh, I agree. It's, uh, I think he's one of my favorite characters too. Like I, you can see uh, like how he was like embarrassed about a scar until when you see, I think his embarrassment through this scar the whole entire time. But when you see like the episode in season three, where it's like little kids, it's like you, I know your Zuko costume's really good, but your scar's on the wrong face, like the wrong side. He's like, that scar's on the right side, the right face. He's actually like makes a joke about it. So I think it kind of oh. goes where. Just so we can finish this list, the final theme, genocide. Just the captain. <laughs> RMP the airbenders, man. RMP the airbenders, man. Bro, that is, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. I have a question for both of you guys. When you guys were a little kid watching, you know, like, Avatar, were you guys, like, ever in culture, like, oh, yeah, like, firebenders are the best ones. Like, you're not a firebender. You suck. Like, you know, like, you know, you don't know any, what you're talking about. Did you guys, like, ever do that when you guys were, like, little kids? I thought firebending was the most practical for offensive use, I would say. Okay. Earth so building, if... more defensive. Wind, I never really got the purpose of. And then water is more of like, you know, for healing and stuff like that. So what and bending did you guys decide to choose, like, after watching all of it? Like, if you guys got to decide. Fire. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Actually, I think – as I was younger and then after watching it, I thought air was technically the most overpowered because air you can use airbending in water, as we learn. You can use airbending obviously in air to fly around. You can use airbending to keep yourself warm. Uh, as For those that don't know the deeper lord, I don't know if this is mentioned in the comics, Isaac, um, or anything of the books, but technically the reason why Aang never has to wear any like heavy clothing is because he's learned how to regulate his breathing in order to keep himself warm. So I always felt like air was actually low-key overpowered. And I think me, I agree with Bryce's sentiment, but I think I always probably gravitated towards air just because of my own personality. I'm okay. not going to lie, boys. I'm going to have to go with metal bending on this one, which is going to <laughs> earth. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk that, bro, give me lava bending. Through fire, give me some lava, man. That's... Hey, hey, I'm okay with that, too. If we're going to the specialty ones, guys, you know. Actually, give me bloodbending for if we're trying to get like. <laughs> whoa, whoa. If we're going there. Let me go lightning bending at that point. Let me go. Man, that's, uh, that's tough, bro. Yeah, when you we'll have to do another episode talking about core because 
the ending of Korra when that fucking robot shows up, bro. I was like, this is cat. Like, this is so bullshit. Bro, how did they get to this? <laughs> that was like my favorite season of Korra, not gonna lie. Just because they I'm just chose. Saying, yeah. I'm not saying I disliked it, but I was like, this is insane. Uh, my hill that I'll die on for that is uh, that the best horror seasons were the only ones that Nickelodeon said, oh yeah, you can have two seasons as planned. Yeah. I basically, they're like, oh yeah, you're going to do a miniseries. And I'm like, all right, bet. And it's like, oh, it actually did so well, do another one. And they're like, okay. And then they're like, you know what? Finish it. You got two seasons. And then they made like a superior third and fourth season. In my opinion. Right. We'll, we'll have to come back to that, but like obviously there's other issues with it and other things that they brought on, but anyways, I think coming back to this, um, you guys excited for the future projects? So hold up that list on what okay, to okay. expect. So for 2025, it's been reported that there's going to be another Avatar series coming. Um, it will take place 100 years after Korra's death, and it will be a Earthbender initially, and it will be his journey in accordance with the Avatar cycle. Um, next it would be an adult Aang gang movie. Um, after that, there will be a Zuko movie, and then after that, there's two spin off series that will also be done, but it hasn't been said yet what they're gonna be. And don't forget the the realism Avatar TV show as well. Uh, we're not gonna talk about that. I don't want to accept that as truth. There well, is no- yes, I. You know, I really like the I really like the cast. Like based off like listening to it wise, like it literally has the original cast teaching the new cast what it is. And like like one of my favorite characters is like the character from Zuko who plays and he's in actually a lot of TV shows for us growing up, like Jake the Dragon, a lot of different shows. And he's actually like mentoring and actually has a really big portion on the show. So like I I Bryce, I know you're coming from because that movie, our horrors that we have in that movie. But like honestly, if the cast, the original cast that's played the original TV show is like mentoring and uh, having a lot of say with the original creators, and the original creators are back writing the show, you know, I feel like it can only go up from the movie how bad that movie. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Just like there was no Warren Boston to say there was no Avatar movie, right? Just <laughs> leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. But I will say this: I I would agree with Isaac Bryce. I know. There is definitely evidence to say that we should be concerned or at least cautious about this project in live action. But being that they are now cooperating far more and are able to work closely with the people that are the original producers, actors, etc., there's some reason to hope, certainly. But I am very excited for the adult gang. I'm excited for the next Avatar, and I'm excited for the other spin-off series for sure. Yeah, and one thing to mention about the next Avatar is apparently... He will his time will be taken in like our version of their version of the modern world. So it'll be interesting to see that because I think with Korra, you're seeing a little bit of a World War One, World War Two kind of vibe, like that steampunk ish kind of vibe with Bendy in it. So it'll be interesting to see what a modern quote unquote world looks like. And obviously, with that one, it'll be interesting to see too what characters aid him in that every resemblance of Team Avatar that had a direct link to Aang. And then we'll have been gone by then. So it'll be interesting to see. One yeah, question I, I want to ask you, Zach. Did you, were you frustrated? Or did you have a problem with how Aang uh, dealt with Fire Lord Ozai? Honestly, I think I, I wasn't, 
I wasn't actually mad, but I thought it was actually really good, like how he stayed to his roots and kind of learned from the Lion Turtle. And you can actually see that more in Korra about like the story of Lion Turtle. But like, I honestly believe I like that he stayed with his pacifism and like staying with his ideals and kind of doing it his own way instead of breaking tradition of like you know killing Fire Lord Oversight or getting rid of them like everybody else was telling him to do or you know. Even they would do a funny spinoff where, like, killing the melon lord, like, Aguto is telling him to do that. So I think Aang staying true to his beliefs was something that I really enjoyed more as growing up watching it. I will say this. This is what I've kind of told Eddie, and I've thought about this a lot. I think one of my problems is that the whole fact that he finds the lion turtle a bit randomly and learns that skill a bit randomly, just a little bit, uh, I felt like it was a bit of a cop-out. I'm not saying it's a full cop-out, but I think it's got a little bit of a cop-out to it. And two, I I have a problem with the fact that Aang was the Avatar and that, you know, at the end of the day, whether he liked it or not, his responsibility was to keep the peace. And before he had the ability to take bending away, which might I say was like mind-blowing, mind you know, skill at the time, that's probably the ultimate power to have, really. You know, Aang was, he didn't have a plan. And it's like, not to be mean, but like this guy has the power to end the world and was attempting to do it. And so I I was frustrated more that, yes, I understand his pacifism, but I was frustrated that he was not willing to do what needed to be done had he not found the solution that he needed. There was no way they could have held him in a prison. He was too powerful and he was just going to kill more people. So I don't know. I I mixed feelings. I understand where Aang's coming from, not killing him, but I think had he not found the ability to take his bending away, I really would have liked to see Aang, you know, really step up to his responsibility, whether he likes it or not. It's his, you know, it's his, it's what he has to do. It's his job okay. to check. Sometimes well, let, that... let me let me ask yeah. you one question then. As a TV show, as it's supposed to be a TV show, would you think it would have got approved seeing someone like the Avatar, a kid killing an adult on live television? I think how they would have done it, I can't answer, but I think they would have found a way. I mean, how many times did we watch Avatar Kyoshi kill that entire army of Earth Kido where she just like stomps in the, the guy's to his death. I mean, you don't know if he died or not. You just see he just fell. But he's like no, he, he, he died. He he definitely died. Because that's why they're oh, holding him on trial. Well no, he definitely died. But like yeah, as a as, like, like, as a kid show wise, he can't be like, an how are you going to kill? Death. Yeah. yeah, and it's like not that it was Aang, but Aang being possessed by the moon spirit definitely killed a whole bunch of firebenders when they were in those ships. We just talked about that. So yeah. I mean, how per se they do it, I don't know. But do I think they could have worked something off camera where he does like some crazy thing? Sure, absolutely. I think like the the lion turtle was a great spiritual thing because it shows like more of Aang's kind of like Tai Chi balance of his methods wise, and so I think the methodology of like how he does it still influences because he learned the whole chakra thing in this book and what book two about chakras and stuff like that. So. It kind of goes into ties with the lion turtle, kind of just showing back the nature of chakras. So it kind of shows that you also see in the movies, like not the movies, but in like Korra about the lion turtles. And I feel like you can title that with chakras kind of in a way. So it's still 
implements that side of it. Let me let me be the bridge. I, I let me be the bridge on that one. I think I I can understand the frustration because before we ever knew that Legends of Korra was ever going to come out, I think at that point in time, having the Lion Turtle there felt like plot armor that you would experience from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But after the Legend of Korra, you begin to learn that the creators of the Avatar show in general had a plan and that that was very much part of that plan. Um, and it was part of the larger lore of this world. Um, it's just, if you ended there, I could see why there'd be some frustration concerning that. Yeah, That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't hate we agree with you. We agree with you, Eddie. Don't worry. And Bryce, yeah. don't worry. Yeah. We agree with both sides. Yeah. But, all right, guys. Well, I mean... Any final thoughts on that Avatar, The Last Airbender? I mean, we've covered, I feel like, everything. Isaac? You know, I was going to say, I never asked you guys, what was your guys' favorite characters out of all of them? Like, like, let's just say, like, favorite character and favorite, you know, character development. Which one was your guys' favorite watching throughout the whole Zuko, show? Zuko, through and through. Yeah, Zuko. I don't know if you can get much better than Zuko. But I, let me throw in this one. I'll throw in Sokka. Yeah, oh, to you know, I was gonna say Sock. Yeah, I'm gonna say Sock is my favorite character development. Even though I love Zuko, he is my favorite character. No, Toph is my favorite character. I literally love Zuko's development, but Sokka's development from just seeing him as like this kid to like he still has his values of being childish and stuff like that, but shows his maturity is really great. Yeah, and also I always find it hilarious when people talk about he got the misogyny beat out of him <laughs> throughout the entire series. Dude, it's just always honestly, hilarious. Honestly, you could, you could just know Sokka seems to just great, where it's just like he has like He's a rose fantastic. in his mouth. Yeah. And it's like, wait for Suki and just Zuko comes in. Like, come on. <laughs> it's it's a, a I think if you were to like scene. juxtapose like uh, the uh, Kiyoshi episode from season one with season mm-hmm. three, this, when he goes to meet uh, Master Pian Dao and learn to be mm-hmm. a swordsman, if you were to show those two episodes to like someone that doesn't watch the rest of the series, Though they they probably would be like, what the hell is this? Why is the guy acting so differently? Like, well, because of all this character development. But yes, I think Zuko did have the best arc. I agree. An entire series. Yeah, yeah, I I love Zuko as a character. Well written, well done, well executed. Can't ask for more. Yeah. Any any final thoughts? Yeah, man. If you guys haven't seen it already, go watch it. If you have seen it already, this is your sign. To go rewatch it. It is still on Netflix, I believe. Um, so go get it done. If not, Legend of Korra is on there still too. So go watch that as well. Well, don't watch Legend of Korra unless you watch Avatar first. Yeah, try and watch cool. Avatar: The Last Airbender first, then watch Legend of Korra. But and if you like Avatar, then watch Korra. But you can't you can't watch Korra if you don't like Avatar. Well, guys, this has been struggling with the bums. Thank you, Isaac, for joining us on this adventure through Avatar: The Last Airbender. I am almost guaranteeing you guys that we will have an Avatar Legends of Korra somewhere in the future because, you know, we love this stuff. And whenever the new series come out, we'll probably cover those too. So thank you, Eddie, for assisting with the co-hosting of The Struggling Bunk, which you can find us on Instagram at T-H-E-B-U underscore M-S. Please, when you get a chance, check out our website, strugglingbugs.com. It should be operational. If it's not, hit us up on Instagram and we'll, we can fight amongst the, uh, the messaging system. Have a good time with that. This has been Struggling with the Bums. We'll see you bums later.